It's good to see all of you out here on this uh, cold but beautiful uh, last day, isn't it, of uh, January. We go into February. March will be here soon. (laughs) Amen. And, uh, you know, I know it says uh, April showers bring May flowers, but I think in Maine it's May May showers bring June flowers. (laughs) I think we're about a month behind on that saying. But the thing is, is God is so good, and I'm so glad to be able to serve him and to and to have the confidence I have in Jesus. You know, you you look on um, you know, Gab or Facebook and you know, there's so much uh bleakness, you know. But the Bible said we, we don't we don't sorrow like the world sorrows, you know. We have that hope in Jesus Christ and and I will tell you when you look at the Middle East and uh, and you look at, and I'm just going to just speak for a second here. Um, Iran now has gotten a new confidence, having a weak president who wants to get back into the Iran nuclear deal, and now they're threatening Israel. And Israel said, "Oh yeah, well let us tell you something. We're about to take care of you." Uh, so there's a lot going on right now in the Middle East. And, and, and I will tell you this, um, as Bill Solis wrote in using Scripture, and that is that uh, when, when um, Russia and all the surrounding countries come down against Israel, uh, the Bible said Israel will be a city without walls. It will be a city that is in total peace. Right now, Israel is the most walled city, a walled country in the world. So we know that what's going to happen, and I believe there's going to be a bunch of little wars that are going to happen. Um, and Israel is going to defeat, I believe, the Palestinians and the surrounding countries. I believe that uh, uh, Syria... Uh, and Damascus will be totally annihilated by Israel. Um, and they're going to be able to tear their walls down because their walls are going to be much bigger. They're going to have a much more land to occupy. And the Bible said they're going to become so rich and so envied by the world um, that Israel, I mean, that uh, um, th- that Russia... Uh, the Magog war will come down against Israel. But God is going to do a supernatural thing. And he's going to cause great earthquakes. He's going to cause uh, uh, hail to come down the size of stones. I mean, huge. I mean, I think when you look at the weight of a stone in English, it's 18 pounds or something like Can you imagine an 18-pound hailstone coming down on you? I mean, he's going to destroy these armies that come down. Now, where is the rapture? And I'm going to speak on that this morning, you know, in this, this uh, timeline. And, you know, I think that's speculative that whether we are taken before the Gog-Magog war um, or... But we do know that it will be before the tribulation. And the Gog-Magog war, which is Russia coming against Israel, and the miraculous uh, deliverance that God gives them, 
has to be three and a half years before the tribulation begins. Because the Bible said they'll be burning the weapons, that Israel will be burning the weapons for seven years um, to give them, uh, there'll be enough fuel there. And when we look at that, somebody said one time, well, that means they must be using wood. No, uh, we know that uh, they don't use wood today. But they use the chemicals and stuff, and somehow Israel will have, will be able to, um, they'll have the technology to burn the weaponry or the, the fuel that is within the weapons uh, to heat uh, their homes and to... Uh, used for whatever they need fuel for. But it said for seven years that they'll burn the fuel. Well, there's no way that this could happen unless it's three and a half years before the tribulation. Because we know what happens. The Bible says when this Antichrist, which will be revealed, of course, in the first part of the tribulation, but the Bible says after three and a half years, he'll rise up and he'll sit on the throne of David. And he'll desecrate the temple, which is rebuilt by Israel, and he'll deceive them. And the Bible said when, Israel, when this happens, those that are in Israel, do not come. If you're up on the housetop, do not come down. Uh, you know, don't go back to get any possessions. Run for the hills because sudden destruction will come. And God will provide for them a place in the, in the mountains of Jordan, which I think will be part of Israel at that time. And he will keep them for the three and a half years of the wrath of, of the uh, Antichrist in its fierceness. So, so we see that they can't be burning weapons in the last three and a half years because they're going to be running for the mountains in the last three and a half years. Um, so we can see the time. I'm going to tell you what, we're living in exciting days. We're living in the end times. Uh, and and uh, you can only see it over and over and over. The Bible said in the last days I'll call evil good and good evil. Um, and I could go on and on this morning, but I, I tell you this right now, every time I get up, I want to hear that something big probably has happened. And, it, it, you know, we're living in those times. Um, so we just need to thank God that he's given us a hope and peace uh, that the world does not give us. Amen. Uh, and I'll tell you, that is the word of the Let's all stand, if we would, this morning. Give God the glory for great things uh, that he had done. Heavenly Father, we just come humbly before you this morning. We ask, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would be in power here this morning. God, that out of our bellies would flow rivers of living water. Lord, let your anointing so rise in the midst of this congregation, Lord. God, that we have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. Lord God, we love, praise, and exalt you. You are holy, and you are precious, and you are mighty, and we just give you all the praise and glory. And God, we sing this morning to elevate, Lord God, your holiness. And God, we just pray as we worship in spirit and in truth, that your will would be done among us, even this day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we love and praise you. You are holy. You are precious and you are mighty. Hallelujah, Jesus. God is good.
He is good. Somebody with a word today. I'd love to hear from you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you don't have a word, then you got to sing. Because the Bible said, you know, when you come together, someone have a word, and now they'll have a song. So if you don't have a word, you got to sing. <laughs> Amen. God's good. We love Him, don't we? You know, it's, I'm in awe that I can stand here with the Lord, you know, only by His grace. And grace is unmerited favor, unearned. Not that anything, I, when I was reading the other night about Israel, he said, I didn't choose you because you were greater in number or because in stature or any other way. I chose you because I love you. And how many know that love is a choice? You know, there are emotions, and we love emotions, you know, when they're good. But love's not an emotion. Love is a choice. And God chose to love us. Isn't that wonderful? And you'll never understand why. Because if you do think about it, you'll say, Lord, I, I, I just get bewildered by it every day. God, why would you? You know? And then the Bible says, well, he said, if you can't love your brother whom you can see, then how can you love me whom you cannot see? And so what God said is, I want you to have the attributes that I have. And that's what we have to go ask God. God, help me in my imperfectness to love in your perfectness. <laughs> help me in my unperfectness to love in my, in your perfectness, and you know, and that is uh, not easy, is it? It's not easy because, you know, you think, you think you, you really love somebody, and then all of a sudden they do something that hurts you, and then you want to withdraw the love. <laughs> I think we'll have to rethink this one, but the Bible says to love those that are unlovable. God, give me, help me, Lord, with that. You know, the disciples, they came to Jesus and they said, how many times should we forgive our brother? And Jesus, they said, seven times. You know, he said, no, I say seven times 70. You know, an, an, an infinitive number, in other words, as many times as it takes. And immediately they said to him, and said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> <laughs> help we, we need your help and each and every one of us know that we're inadequate but we know that God is able to equip us and to strengthen us and as we have in your bulletin the armor of God and, and what uh, what God has equipped us with somebody get on the uh, one lady said she get on the scales the other day and she looked and she said she said, wow, she said, the armor of God's heavy. <laughs> Amen. But we just thank God for all that he does. Somebody here today, uh, Debbie, I'm going to bring a microphone right over to you. Romans nine nineteen to 24. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault for who hath resisted his will? Nay, O man, but who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? 
Hath not the power, potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? You know, and it just that God is glorified when we're weak, then his strength is perfected in our weakness. You know, we magnify him through our mortal bodies. And I know I'm not perfect and I make mistakes, but you know what? God made us who we are. I know for years I wanted to be ex I wanted to be like my husband because I thought he was it. But then, you know what God showed me is that he made me who I am for a reason. And, uh, and you know, and that's how often we get frustrated with ourselves. But, you know, our peace is in him and knowing that he does love us because he created us thus. You know, he made us. He's the potter and we're the clay. And we got a lot of lump. We got a lot of little bubbles and a lot of little little pebbles to work out. And that's why he needs us. You know, it's the clay. When I had took pottery, you throw, take the clay after you had it mixed with water, the water of the word. You take the earth and the water of the word, and then you make a lump and you throw it down onto the plaster slab, which will take out some of the water, and you knead it just like bread. And, and when you do that, you find all those little pebbles and maybe a little piece of grass or something that was left in the clay from the bank of the river. And, you know, and those are the things that God takes out of us. You know, and every time we see those imperfections, we can't just say, oh, there's no sense. I might as well just give up. No, God's not finished with us. He's still working on us. We're still on the wheel. Until, this day, until our lives end, we're on the wheel. And uh, he's not going to give up on us. He's going to make us a beautiful vessel that looks like him. So I pray. Amen. Amen. He wants to make us a glorious body without spot or wrinkle. You know, and I always wanted to be like Elvis. <laughs> but I don't want to be all shook up. <laughs> I'd rather have my feet planted in Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> And I wouldn't want to call you a hound dog. Amen. <laughs> Somebody else here today. Hallelujah. Might as well have some fun. Amen. Yes, Jeremy. Think of this, Jeremy. I I didn't uh, because I didn't end up being 400 pounds by cheating on my diet. I gave became 400 pounds by giving up on my diet. Amen. <laughs> and you know that's that's the way it is. We just you know you 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 have a, a moment and you just have to say, no, I'm going to get right back at it. 
Uh, you know, it's just like getting on the scales. Whoop, I'm up two pounds. Uh, I got to get more serious here and just stay, stay at it. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's it. Be conscious of it. And God gives us that consciousness. And we just continue to stand up and continue to go forward and know this one thing. Uh, the, the, the 12th round has already been called. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Somebody else here today. Brian, you got a word this morning? He, uh, it was, it was he and I last night and, I mean, Friday night. And it was zero this morning. And I said, I know Brian's going to show up in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm fashionable. I'll take his wardrobe. He goes through it. Shorts and a T-shirt. Pretty much. Well, I don't have anything. Well, I had the other thing prepared, but I already. But this morning, well, not this morning, but. God's been working on me. Um, he's always working on us. Um, one thing I've got to come to realize is um, we can well we can rely on each other, but it's come to a point where we have to realize we can't rely on each other only. We we need to rely on God. Um, he'll bring us all to a point to where even though we have contacts, people we can trust, people we can talk to. God doesn't want us to follow and obey them. He wants us to follow and obey Him. Um, and whatever we do, um, if we're outside the will, He'll bring it. He'll take it away from us to to make sure that we are eyes on Him only, to eyes on Jesus. Um, anything we do against His will will not prosper. Anything that is in His will will prosper. And it'll be. It may not be easy because we'll have trials and tribulations. The world will be against us. But as long as we keep our eyes on him, we will have that peace. Um, uh, he'll lead us. He'll hold us. And just continue to be our, our friend, our God, our Lord. Through through anything that we can do, it's his power, his glory. Through thick and thin. That is true. Man will fail you, but Jesus never will. Never, never will. Amen. You know, the Catholic Church puts their eyes on a priest. God says for us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. And that is so true, Brian, that we need to keep our eyes focused. We're living in some pretty perilous times. We're going to hear a lot of things, um, you know, but we just got to keep our focus on Jesus. He is our hope. and. And he is our source. And we just love him this morning. Amen. God's good. Thank you again. Somebody else, just before I change the order of the service, I guess I'll take up our offering this morning. Amen. So let's all stand one more time. Thank all of you that that give uh, and, and for the support of the ministry. And, and I know that God is the provider he said i'll take your little and i'll make it into into much and we thank him for that in jesus name amen thank you lord god is good all the time isn't he you know the bible says and i look at the rapture and we want to talk about the rapture this morning there are some different thoughts on the rapture 
But what you have, uh, there's three real camps in, in uh, Christendom on the rapture. One is pre-trib, one is mid-trib, and another is post-trib. And then I've even met the popcorn rapture. <laughs> and that's it. You're going to go in the tribulation, but the minute you're ready, you're going to just pop and go up to be with Jesus. Uh, so there's a lot of things, but you know, I like to use the Scripture <laughs> And I know what the Scripture says. And the one thing we have to realize is God said, I've not appointed my people for wrath. The seven years of tribulation is going to be a time of wrath. The vials, the bowls, all of those things will be poured out on the world. It will be a time I don't want to be here. It's a time of the mark of the beast. I know a lot of people, you know, they, they, they say the mark of the beast that, you know, if you get a vaccine, you, you, get a mar you got the mark of the beast. There's all kinds of different things. What is the mark and all this? But the Bible's very clear in saying that they who worship the beast will receive the mark. In other words, a prerequisite of receiving this mark will be worshiping the beast. In other words, devil worship satanic worship of this antichrist will qualify you to receive this mark in your right hand or your forehead or whatever it looks like i remember many years ago before we had all the technology that we had we thought it was a tattoo anybody remember the the 666 and a tattoo on your forehead or on your hand because that's all the technology we really had at that time now we understand that there are chips that can be invisible to the naked eye, but very present to certain machinery. Uh, so we are definitely living in the day when all of that is possible, um, you know, for, for the mark. But I don't want you to worry you, even if somebody was in the hippie movement or somebody out there, uh, you know, did get the tattoo of 666 in their forehead or in their hand. Doesn't mean they have the mark of the beast. It doesn't mean they still can't come to their senses and receive Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Because I've seen some crazy stuff out there. And Paul said, this is what David said. He said, Lord, forgive me of the sins of my youth. You know, young people, they're not very smart. You know what I'm saying? Their, their, their brains just have they think they're intelligent. They think they're smarter than dad. They think they're smarter than the wisest people. But it's because their brain hasn't developed or grown to the place. And so, you know, if they went out and did some foolish thing, they didn't seal their hearts to Satan in doing that. Uh, God can bring them again to their senses. But I want to talk today about the rapture of the church. And if you would turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 16 and 17 are two important verses. And this is what it says. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And so uh, we see here, and then verse 17 says, And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be 
with the Lord. And then he goes on to say, Therefore comfort ye one another with these words. When we th- see the chaos in the world, when we see uh, you know, all the things that we see, don't be troubled. Don't be alarmed. Because he said, I'm coming again. Amen? And, and, and that is the promise that God gave to the church. The Lord's return, um, and, and the Bible says in Titus 2 and 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of, of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Paul calls it, calls it the blessed hope. His return, what will his return look like? And we can go into the book of Acts, and, and they were asking the question, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? In Acts 1 and verse 6, it said, And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, this is the Lord, uh, before he was had ascended into the heavens, Wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They really were curious. Have, have you come to earth to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But I want you to know, 1948, Israel was restored. Israel was restored. I want you to know that Israel's defense uh, military is great. Uh, and God has made them great. Amen? And we were talking about that just a little bit earlier. And they standing around, and a couple of angelic beings appeared in Acts 1.11. and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way uh, you have seen him go into the heavens. He's coming. Just as they saw him in the book of Acts Lee, they said he'll come exactly the same way in the clouds. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you this right now. I think some Christians are going to have a heart attack when they see him because they don't know if they completely believe what they believe. But I want you to know we ought to be ready. We ought to, we ought to look for him and say, Lord, I'll not at all be shocked when the skies open and you return. I will be ready to go and to be with you. So we look at the point, Christ is going to come the same way. And we just read that in Acts uh, 1 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. God gave the Apostle Paul special revelation concerning the return of Christ. The Lord himself will come. The groom is coming for his bride. The Lord comes from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, the the trumpet call of God will sound. The Bible said, the dead in Christ shall rise first. So when the Lord comes, the dead believers will first be raised. And we can think of what event that will be. You know, the graves will be open. Uh, you know, the world is going to witness this. Um, this, this. You know, and I know that many will say, oh, that just seems so far-fetched uh, from what uh, we can even perceive, but I want you to know something. This whole world is a miracle. Your life is a miracle. 
your birth was a miracle, and, and your journey is a miracle. Everything here is a miracle. I was reading the other day where where he wrote, and he says, uh, "You have." Uh, you have no excuse for even the visible things that you see show the invisible. Amen. I mean, you know, when you look at the tree, when you look at all that is, and you know there's something intelligent has to have created this thing. It's something how that in a seed can dwell the whole plant. Amen. And, and, and we'll talk about that again in a few minutes. He said, at the death, the soul and the spirit leaves the body. The body goes to sleep and no longer functions. But the soul and the spirit, it goes to be with the Lord. And that's what we're I don't. We don't believe in soul sleep. You know, as Paul said, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, that we're absent in the body and we're present with the Lord. And, and from the Old Testament days to the present to the present, mankind has tried to solve the riddle uh, of the afterlife. We know in the tombs over there in the Middle East uh, where the pharaohs were buried and they buried them with great wealth uh, because they felt that when they, when they were in the afterlife, they would need all that wealth. And, and people have realized that and gone over and taken it out of the tombs. Uh, you know, things of that sort. But I want you to know the wealth was still there and the corpse was still there. But the thing that we need to know is for, from uh, the beginning of man, people have tried to solve the riddle of the afterlife. But Paul solved this problem. So we as Christians don't need to wonder about death or life after death because the Word of God gives us insight. We go to be <coughs> excuse me we go to be with the Lord amen and and uh, the Lord comes down from heaven with the loud command the voice of an archangel and the trump and the trumpet calls so we will see him in the clouds uh, do we realize the spirit of believers will be coming uh, with him they'll be coming back with him to receive their glorious body. You know, and some people wonder, well, how come the body stays here, but the spirit goes, and I just killed that mic by stepping on the cord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And we ask ourselves, well, why does, why does that happen? Well, um, I don't know. <laughs> Amen. Might as well not try to make up something you don't understand. But we do know this one thing, what Jesus said to the thief on the cross, he said, this day will you be with me in paradise. Amen. We don't believe in soul sleep. We know that the minute that we die, we go to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you, Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 4.14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. In him, Paul's idea of resurrection of the human body is like the growing of a plant from a seed. The flower is not the is not identical to the seed uh, that is planted. Yet there is a continuity from seed to plant. And what I'm saying is, you know, this body we live in now is nothing more than a seed. It's got to be planted, but when it's planted. 
the flower comes from that seed, the glorious body. Amen? So we're just seeds today. Hallelujah. Now I'll tell you what, I've never seen a pretty seed. Uh, someone might find something somewhere that looks fairly nice, but I've never seen a pretty seed. Seeds aren't comely. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about you today, but... <laughs> What I am saying is, it's compared with the flower that the seed will produce. Amen. The seed is not nearly as comely or as beautiful as the flower. Amen. And we are going to have a glorious body. Amen. The Bible says the dead will be raised with a new glorified body. The body, the dead body is the seed that is planted in the ground. The resurrection body is the flower. There are unique sounds. Uh, the unique sounds are involved in this event. Number one, the Lord's shout. Jesus will give a shout of command. Just like he did outside the tomb of Lazarus, those in the grave shall hear his voice. Amen. They'll hear his voice. Uh, what a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. The second sound is the sound of the trumpet in 1 Corinthians 15 and 52. Also relates to his return and the sound of the trumpet. Let me read that. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, amen. I don't believe that's Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, for the trumpet shall sound... <laughs> And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. In other words, I want you to know, this seed body can never live in heaven. Hallelujah. You know, they did a study on heaven. And they said that the glory of God is so intense that no flesh could stand before him. And some scholars say that heaven will be hotter than hell. <laughs> In the sense that because of the glory of God, we're going to need a glorified body, a body that is conditioned to stand in the very presence of God. Oh, what a, a day that'll be. Hallelujah. And so God's going to transform this body into a body that will be made for heaven. Hallelujah. The angel, the voice of the archangel is the third uh, uh, sound that we hear. And it is the idea that angelic hosts will share in this great event. What happens to the living believers, they will be caught up. The word rapture literally means to be caught up. Now, I know that there are those out there and will say the rapture or the word rapture is not in the Bible, but the word rapture is an English word uh, derived from the Greek that literally means a catching away. And we know that the catching away is in the Bible. Um, okay, so if you don't want me to use the word rapture, we can use the word catching away. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, pick through that, you know. Uh, there are those that try to pick at things. So what we see the first Greek picture, to catch away speedily, this is the translation in Acts 8.39, where the Spirit 
the Spirit caught away Philip after he had led the Ethiopian to Christ. We know the Bible says, and I, I could take you there, but you, you, you could go there yourself. And, and Philip there in Acts 8.39, and he says uh, he attaches himself to the chariot of this eunuch who is a very rich man. And he has come to, to pilgrimage in, in uh, Israel to worship his God, even though he is an Ethiopian. Um, by uh, nationality, he is a Jew. And he comes and he worships God. But on his way back, he's reading the Bible. And God says to Philip, he said, attach yourself to this chariot. And he goes and does it. He obeys God. How I many know that's all we need to do is obey God? People say, well, I don't know. What should I do for Jesus? Open your ears. Open your ears. Amen? Have you ever heard a little voice say, just tell this person that God loves them. And what have you said? Oh, no. They'll think I'm foolish. You know what that is, don't you? It's pride. None of us want to look foolish, do we? You know what I'm saying? We, we, you know, we, do, we do battle with pride. Each one of us do. But God hates pride. He said pride will get in your way. And it will keep you. He told uh, Philip, he says, go and attach yourself to this chariot. And he goes and the, and the, and the Ethiopian is reading out of the scripture from uh, the book of Isaiah. And Philip says, do you know what you're reading? He said, no, I can't understand what I'm reading because I have nobody to interpret what is being said. And he, he told him about Jesus and, and all that was in the scripture. And the, and the Ethiopian immediately said, what hinders me from being baptized? Now, I know some people believe you've got to do an eight-week lesson. Uh, you know, you have to do this, that. He says, do you believe in Jesus with all your heart? He says, yes. He said, straightway they saw a certain body of water. And Philip went into the, to the water with him and baptized him. And immediately Philip was translated into another city. You see, what I, that's how we're going to be translated. But only into a better city. Hallelujah. Into the four square city. Where there'll be no need of any light there, for Jesus will be that light. Hallelujah. So when we look at what is the point, the point is that we should live each moment in expectation of our Lord's return, lest he come and find us out of his will. Oh, God help me to keep the oil in my lamp. You know. Put the oil in your lamp, keep it burning. Put the oil in my lamp, dear Lord. Put the oil in my lamp, keep it burning, burning, burning. Keep it burning till the light of day. Amen. And you know, we had five foolish virgins and five wise virgins. And the foolish virgins let their lamps go out. And the wise virgins kept their lamps burning. The Bible said, and when the bride came, and suddenly all those that did not have oil in the lamp were not allowed to enter in. You know, and I believe there'll be those during the rapture time that will not come enter in, amen, to the to the uh, wedding feast of the Lord. Um, amen. I, I I believe they will eventually, but not maybe at that moment.
The second Greek picture is to, uh, is to um, seize by force. In John 6, 5, the idea is that some of the saints will be attached to this world that they must be literally uh, dragged away. And, and, and in Genesis, we can find that example here in Genesis uh, 19 and 16, it said, And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon Lot, this is a lot. They laid hand. They laid uh, hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful unto them, they brought him forth and set him without the city. So Lot didn't just just go. The angels literally grabbed a hold of them and pulled them out. Hey, man, sometimes you just not give. We need to pray, God, pull me out of my cell. Keep me, Lord God, that I will be ready to go to be with you. The example, like Lot being delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah, so some of us need to be pulled by the hand of the Lord. How many know that God is merciful? God is merciful today. You know, he, he could have, I mean, we're seeing all the things, and he's given us all the warnings uh, to this coming. You know, the Bible said, he'll come in a thief in the night, but he said, I do not come to my children as a thief in the night. And why is that? Because he said, I've already given you the word. If you read the word, you'll know. You might know, know this, the, 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 the exact date. We're not date setters here today. We know the Jehovah's Witnesses back in the early part of the 19th century. You know, we're, we're, we're totally convinced that the Lord is coming at a certain date. And the Lord didn't come. And then, of course, they just explained that away. And, and I was looking on uh, the other night at, at uh, prophecies, you know, uh, on YouTube. And I came across one where the guy says, in, in February of this year will be the end of the world. Well, I know he's a false prophet because there's no way there could be an end of the world. There needs to be seven years of tribulation first. There needs to be a battle uh, where, where um, uh, the armies of the north come down against Israel first. So we, we know it's not the end of the world in February. If it was, that means God's word's a lie. Amen. So we look for this Wonderful time. Paul used the word when he described his visit uh, to heaven. And you can go there yourself. I'm not going to read that this, mo this morning. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4. Jesus is going to prepare a home for us in John 14 and 1 through 6. And I want to read that. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, in the way ye know. And of course, Thomas spoke up and said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me.
But when you look at that, you've got to understand a Jewish wedding. You know, when you look at the first miracle in Canaan of Galilee, which was at the wedding, I'm going to tell you what, all of that really speaks of God's coming again. But what we realize in a, in a wedding is that the eldest son always stayed with his father until his father died. What would happen with the eldest son? Remember, the eldest son, in Jewish, in, uh, according to Jewish tradition, would get two-thirds. You hear that, mother? No. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just... The, the eldest son would get two-thirds of the inheritance. <laughs> and, and, and then the other siblings got the other third to share. Uh, and that's the way it is in Jewish culture. So what would happen, though, is that the eldest son, and I failed in this sense, Mom, I was supposed to build a room on your house, never leave. And then once I built my room, then my father would say, okay, son, your room is to my satisfaction. Now you can go and get your bride. And, and, and you can, and then we have a wedding, and then your bride and you will live in that house or that room, um, you know, forever in the house of the Father. And so when Jesus said, I go to build a room for you, let me, let me read it again. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house of many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, all according to Jewish tradition. So when you understand the wedding in Israel, you understand that Jesus has to go to the Father's house. He's got to build the room. And when it's ready and prepared, and he said, the Father only knowest. In other words, he can come to the Father and say, Father, come and look at it. And he might say, well, you still need some molding. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good, but what about that last step? Uh, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure Jesus is, is probably not needing that those instructions, but I might have. But when it's ready, he said, only the Father knows. And he'll say, son, okay, go get her. You go get her. And the Bible said that Jesus will come, and he'll receive us to himself, and he'll take us into the heaven, and we'll be married there. And there'll be a feast. And you know how long a Jewish wedding lasts? Seven days. And you know a day is a, uh, one day is a thousand years, and you know, you know what I'm saying with the Lord? But what we'll see is those seven days of the seven years in which the tribulation will be on earth, will be in heaven. And the Bible says when Jesus comes back, and I know some people will say, you know, when I go to heaven, will my dog be there? One pastor said, no, there will be no animals there. And they said, wait a minute. The Bible said he's coming back on a white horse. <laughs> okay, maybe a dog will be there. That will be fine. We're not, we're not going to try to um, look that one over today. I believe that our heart's desire will be given to us. But the Bible said he'll come back on a white horse and we will come with him. What a day that'll be. Hallelujah. And Israel is going to see him and they're going to fall on their faces and they're going to weep with lament. And they're going to say, the one that we crucified, 
He is the Messiah. Oh boy, I'll tell you right now, Israel is going to be weeping and, and lamenting over the fact that they had crucified the one. Remember what Jesus said in Jerusalem uh, when he was up there on the mountain looking down over the festivities of the Passover? And the Bible said he wept over Jerusalem and said, only if they knew. How many of you have ever said that about your loved ones? Only if they knew what I know. I spoke before a whole a group of military people one time and I said you know something anybody that would curse Jesus doesn't know him they're really blinded by the devil I said because I want to tell you he only came doing good he came to feed the poor and to heal the sick to give courage to those who are down to give hope to those that live in hopelessness Jesus only came to be a friend in fact the Bible said he's closer than a friend which of you in the audience would, would betray a friend? I said, Jesus is a friend of the people here today. You can know him as a friend. He loves you. And, and it still bewilders me today why people would ever reject this friend. It's only because the devil blinds their eyes from seeing the good. And we need to know that Jesus is good. Jesus is love. He said, I did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might have life and to have it more abundantly. There's nothing but joy in serving the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Bible also says that it will happen suddenly. In the twinkling of an eye. No, someone one time, I guess, measured the twinkling of an eye and said it's like one millionth of a second or some crazy number like that. I've, I've, never, uh, I've never tried to measure anything like that, but I, I would imagine it's fairly quick. He said in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound that God's going to come, and he's saying to his church, be ready, people. Keep the oil in your lamp and keep it burning. For I will give you that oil. I will keep you going. As my brother Brian said this morning, you know, we can look at man, we can look at these posts, but we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm sure in your life you've had people who have forsaken you. I've seen women who have had men that leave them and break their hearts or, or, or the other way around. I've seen children who have who, are, who have really injured the hearts of their parents. I, you, know, you, you, we, you know, we may have in one way or another felt the sorrow, but I want you to know that Jesus will never leave you that sorrow. He said, I will not leave you nor forsake you, but lo, I'm with you always. And, and the fact of it is, is Jesus will never leave you. He loves you so much. And what you've got to realize, he's not going to sneak up on you. And I think a lot of these current events today are to wake I believe the drums are beating. My people that hear my voice, wake up. I'm coming soon. My father's about. I've got the room ready. Hallelujah. I'm just waiting on my father's approval. And he's going to say, Son, go get her. 
Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And he's coming to get a bride. And we can see that picture of the bride. And, and when he sent Eleazar, when Abraham sent Eleazar out to find a bride for Isaac, and he took all the jewels and all the things that adorn. I'm going to tell you what, the Holy Ghost is here to adorn you today to make you look real pretty. Hallelujah. Not with the outward adornment, but with the inward. He wants to make you a bride. And I thank God when he looks at me, he'll see a bride. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not with outward lipstick. <laughs> No, no, no. I'd have to counsel you. <laughs> you start getting into that, you and I are going to sit down and have a talk. <laughs> I really believe that has to do with the lack of fathers in the house. But the fact of it is, is that metaphorically, we will become the bride of Christ. And I just pray, as you pray with me over our nation, over those loved ones around you. God, I'm living in this time. I don't understand everything because the half hasn't yet been told. Because, Lord, now I look through a glass darkly, but then face to face I shall know even as I am known. But, Jesus, I pray that you would use me as an instrument in your hand God, only you can do it. You say one can water and another can plant, but only God can give the increase. And I pray this morning over this church, I pray this morning over each one of you out there to realize that God loves you. And God has a work for your life. He has a plan. And he said to them, he says, when I was athirst, you gave me to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And they said, when have I done these things? He said, when you've done it to one of the least of these, you've done it to me. There are many ministers out there that don't even realize how important their ministry is. They don't even realize it is a ministry. But it is. And God knows. And he loves you. Now, just we just need to go to the Lord today in prayer and thank him for his faithfulness to each one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you called us and equipped us to be a part of this wonderful ministry of Christ. I pray, Lord God, that as you are the way maker and you are the way to the Father. And Lord Jesus, we just ask if we worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, that your will would be done in our lives. And God, as we live in these exciting last days, Lord Jesus, it will not be anxious like the world, but that we'll look up and rejoice. For we know that you're coming soon, Lord. We love you and thank you for all that you do in our lives, that your will would be done in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you.